this is Katie Shaw and you're listening to Music A to Z. Welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I am the second Ferguson of the Ferguson, uh, not trio, uh, uh, quartet. Yeah. Quartet, sure. <laughs> sure, yeah. Douglas Ferguson. How are you doing, Doug? Well, Stephen, now that you've asked, I've had to kind of think about it. Uh, I am, uh, hmm, I'm okay. Yeah, I had a nap. <laughs> it was It was all right, you know. It was a good nap. Uh, I had except, except we have we have a kitten, <laughs> and she found found her way into my sheets while I was napping and started to bite or or claw or both mm-hmm. uh, my toes. So she's now Willow disturber of naps. But I didn't I didn't eat her because I'm merciful. Cool. And I was really tired. So yeah, that's the story of today so far. Well, I mean I worked as well, but since we last spoke, uh, our friend Cope. He uh, he oh, and his yeah, his yeah. group illegitimate. They started their Kickstarter campaign for a new album. They and stuff. did. They did. And um, uh, yeah, currently right now they're staying at eighty nine hundred, the, which is a stretch goal because their original goal was four grand. Yeah. Um, and they're gunning for twelve. Grand. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to make twelve grand because I don't know, yeah. uh, there's a week left. Yeah, but there there might be a big a bit of a surge at the very end. Yeah, possibly. But um, yeah. But still, they made their goal, and they doubled it, so that's great. Um, I contributed. I don't know if you... I did as well. I got yeah. the um, Nikki Scarfo combo. Hmm. Personal video message, a t-shirt, my name in the album credits, two personal stitched CDs, two fridge magnets, a digital download, DD Atticus Night Visions EP, and the full illegitimate discography. I got the, the personalized CD. Oh. We get the hard copy of the new project, plus... A lot of the other things that you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I put it up on the Facebook group, folks, so it is there if you're interested. If, if you're hearing this, because I think I think this will be out really soon. If you're hearing this before October the 19th, um, please go check it out. I actually, um, I really, I really want this to succeed in so many ways. I'm so, I'm as soon as it came out, I was so excited for Cope. He's, he's such a good guy. Yeah. 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 And while you're at it, folks, also on Kickstarter, um, is the bring back undergrads? Yeah. Any of you remember the MTV single yeah. season series anime series undergrads? Um, uh, now's our chance to bring it back, and I'm now actually starting to get worried if they're gonna make it. Really? They got a lot of time. Well, they got like almost a month left. Yeah, but I, I, I just I feel like the initial push is always the best one, and then you know slowly. Well, let's see what they're at right now. Let's see. Because they're currently at eighty three thousand, so they yes, need they to are. make another thirty thirty k. 30k in 25 days which again is feasible well uh i've done what i can so far i have as well what'd you get i have gotten the digital download of the movie with uh i might if if, if they open up one where i can get like a dvd or a blu-ray mm. i'd rather switch to that i would do yeah um i actually messaged them about it i was like hey and then they said uh we'll let you know if we do hmm. not not a music related thing for people who you know, they come here strictly for music. You yeah. Know, I need to know only about music and nothing else. But if you also like movies and you maybe remember seeing the show Undergrads, then, yeah, check it out. Bring back Undergrads. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah. But uh, apart from that, I think it's time to get into our episode, sir. All right, so uh, who are we covering this week, Mr. Duck? Oh, we are going to talk about a band. Mm. It starts with K. Mm. And they are called Kasabian. going from the northwest of the UK in Joy Division down southeast into kind of the East Midlands Leicester 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 I got it it's all good Uh, Leicester okay it's pronounced Leicester and we come across a band called Syracuse four guys who were uh, from the local villages around there and they came together as Syracuse those guys were uh, Tom Meehan on vocals Sergio Pizzorno Sergio Prozorno's facial hair, Chris Karloff and Chris Edwards. They had gone around, they were doing they were doing like a bit, you know, like doing doing the normal sort of gigs, but they weren't feeling the name. So they rebranded themselves Kasabian, named after Linda Kasabian. She was a former member of the Manson family and wound up being a key witness in his trial. Oh, that's we, where the name comes from. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. it's a um it's an Armenian name. So like Damn, but the first one that comes to mind is Kardashian. Is is they're they're um, oh. they're Armenian as well. Or for you young Turks fans out there, uh, Anna Kasparian. Okay, she's, oh, yeah, she's okay. Armenian as well. Yeah, it does kind of fit right in that kind of uh, name catalog. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, there's not that much out about about these guys. All things considered, except really that Tom Meehan. He got a lot of notoriety very quickly for being a loudmouth on the media, not unlike the Gallaghers. And this is not the first time you're going to hear a comparison between Kasabian and Oasis. It happens a lot. Um, <laughs> and, and for some really good reason, too. In, in particular, Mian seemed to hold a special hatred in his heart for Julian Casablancas of the Strokes. <laughs> Although I hope they buried the hatchet by this point. I mean, uh, it's been a long time. It has been a really long yeah. time, but uh, but Mian Mian is a bit of a he's a bit of a loudmouth. He certainly is, and I think he likes it. To be honest, he I think he, he kind of likes that 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 image. But it's really then easy to say then that he's you know as the the front man, the lead vocalist that he that Kasabian's his band, but it's not, not really. This band honestly through and through, and this surprised me as well. 
is Sergio Pizzorno's band. It really, really is. He is the chief songwriter, and these days the chief producer, and he does so much for the band. It's it's the band is really his in a lot of ways. Um, now that's now I don't want to like speak disparagingly or say you know the other guys just just play along to what he writes. <laughs> they dick um, around. They're like ah, oh, Sergio's got it. But yeah, right. <laughs> but no, 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 no. I'm. It, it, there is no doubt in my mind that there is a lot of collaboration that goes on, and that the the other band members, you know, are fully on board and mm-hmm. and have a lot of stance like that. But but you do have to call a spade a spade. You know, when you have one guy who's the chief songwriter in one of the albums, he actually sings more vocals than their lead vocalist, and uh, and he's doing by this point all the production work and early on a lot of the production work. And his facial hair can take some of the credit for that as well. Because he's got some wicked facial hair. He has also joined up with uh, Noel Fielding to form Loose Tapestries. Noel Fielding being a uh, popular UK comedian. He plays uh, in IT Crowd. He's, um, what's his face? The goth guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's also on, like, the Mighty Boosh. Mighty, yeah, Mighty Boosh is, is his, was his vehicle for a long time. And he's on, like, those, those sassy UK game shows, you know, where the stars... You know, comment. It's like a game show, but it's actually just like them having commentary and stuff. Been no goth detectives. We could play a sort of gothic star skin up. I never remember the names, but you know, you'll see the clips all yeah, the time. Yeah. Him and Stephen Fry and uh, Bill Bailey. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's get let's get right into how we first heard about them. In back in two thousand five. Two thousand. Oh wait, man, maybe because it, like... it was right before your birthday, so two thousand five, right? Two thousand five. Yeah. I want to say it was March two thousand five. Late March. Yeah. <laughs> it was very. Yeah. Well, we've actually talked about this incident before. Yeah. On the music on the episode M is for the music. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had uh, we were going to go see the music, um, the band from the UK, the music mm-hmm. at the Commodore Ballroom from Leeds, if I recall. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Kasabian was opening, but I didn't know who they were at that point. No, no, we just kept, we kept uh, while we were in line, we got uh, little pins mm-hmm. of uh, with the with the symbol of the album on it, mm-hmm. and there were, like, there were tons of them. Yeah, yeah, just for tons. sure. In fact, you, you kept a bunch of them and just gave them to people as they came into your apartment. That sounds about right. I still <laughs> have one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, Doug was not legal drinking age, but was just shy legal drinking age. It was really close. Yeah. Um, and so couldn't yeah. get into uh, the venue. It was very naive because, uh, like, I I mean, obviously, if I knew now what I knew then, I wouldn't have even tried because mm-hmm. uh, I would have known. Oh, okay. Well, I won't be old enough, and it's, you know, I would just won't be able to go in. But I just thought, oh, I'll be. I'm close enough. They'll let me in, <laughs> which is sort of like yeah. looking back. I'm like, what was I? Like I just, I just had no idea. I just because it just, I guess it was just something that never really came up in life before. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I got my thing scanned and I went in and I turned over and looked over my shoulder and Doug was stopped and was not admitted, and I was like, oh, so I was like, watch show anyways. No, that'd be really jerkish. So I, I left the venue, but and then we resold our tickets, uh, but. Uh, mine had already been scanned, and so to this day, I'm just like, w- was the guy I sold my ticket to, like, denied entry? Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, you gotta wonder. It's like, wonder. Does, he, was he, did he, does he feel like he just got ripped off, like, pretty bad? Yeah, but the other one wasn't scanned. No, mine so, wasn't scanned, so, so for sure, that was, uh, he, that guy, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at least, at least, like, we, well, at least, well, yeah, at least we got our money back. Um, but yeah, I do wonder about that guy. What, did we did we scam him? 
Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was it wasn't like an intentional sort of thing. Like at the time, yeah. I was just like, I was just like, well, I can't go see the show. I have a ticket, therefore I will sell my ticket. And and then he get in. Um, and hopefully he was able to explain his way into. Oh it. yeah, right. It's just like you know, we just got these tickets. The you know guy came out and yeah, and and you know there's or maybe I, he's still hunting for you to, to this, this day. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing too is that because I paid for them on my credit card and ordered them, my name and address were on the. Uh, we're on the tickets at the time too, and so he, <laughs> so he wouldn't have had to search too far to find me. Really, that's true, actually. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I'm taking you right out, <laughs> right? Uh, okay, um, I guess we were hoping to use illiterate. <laughs> so, Sapien like, were music's my only language. <laughs> they were touring for their first or self titled album. Yeah, um, which which was uh, which I still hadn't heard at that point, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I think I told this story to a friend at work, uh, Darius. And he says, oh, Kasabian, they're the ones who do, do the song. I was like, and I'm just like, sure. I mean, I don't know. Uh, and I'm trying to remember how exactly then they yeah, actually Yeah, you know, that came was in. like Darius. He, he would describe songs like that. Like, yeah. he's like, he's like oh, oh, yeah, that's the one where they go, jack, jack, jack. <laughs> I, yeah, like, yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah, was... we're talking about broken social scene. He's like, oh, wait, that's the one that goes. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, it is the one that does yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You're correct. He's not. He's, he usually wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, it, just, it was a. It was a very. If you didn't know the song, it would mean nothing to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but I'm desperately trying to remember how I actually heard Kasabian. Um. Because I mean, I knew the name now at that point, but I do think I stumbled across Clubfoot's on the radio. I think, and I think I picked up the album on the strength of that. Straight that now the album was actually like okay this is the sucky thing about Canadian released that album first of all it was copy protected like the hell like, mm. like super copy protected and I had a few albums that were like that uh, Daddy right, Warhol's right, yeah. um, Auditorium yeah was super copy like I couldn't even rip it onto iTunes uh, yeah uh, um, there's a, there's been a few that like it was just right around that time 2004 2005 when when the record industry was freaking out, they're like, people are going to put these CDs on the computer and then anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then, you know, they weren't wrong, but it's sort of like, yeah, you know, you made it harder for people who actually bought your music. Well, this uh, is it, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm not carrying a Discman around at this point. Yeah, exactly. So, stereo or nothing, right? You know? Yeah. Um, there was a, X and Y was a little bit like that. I think but, so. But with, with, with every time that iTunes upgraded, <laughs> yeah. it was it was usually able to like read the discs and and, and uh, put them on. So the you think like on the so the the, uh, the the record companies are making these these discs so hard to read, and meanwhile Apple is like, well, oh. with our next version of iTunes, we got this. <laughs> you but, know, it's it's you know undermining yeah, it. Yeah. You know because well because Apple knows that their client base is using iTunes to rip CDs, and so for their interests. They want to have a software that can take that can take the music off. So I mean, it's almost like a cold war then at this point between the record industry and Apple. You know. But at the same time, what is the record industry going to do? Because they're going to they're getting tons of music. Or sorry, they're getting tons of money from Apple. Yeah. Because of the iTunes was taking over. Mm-hmm. So it was it was such a pointless battle. Yeah. Um, it didn't last long. I don't really see it these days. To be honest, like the super copy protected CDs. Oh, I haven't seen one in ages. Yeah. They like they give up. Yeah, they, they, like they they knew they knew a battle that wasn't gonna win. Well, um, with with CD sales declining, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, you're just investing way more money. Yeah, it's yeah. rubbish. Although I'll say is that as far as I know, to this day, no iTunes is able to read Auditorium or Warlords from Mars. Like whatever they did to that disc, it became impenetrable. Yeah, <laughs> I basically had to repurchase a couple of these albums. Uh, now um, I'm glad I repurchased Kasabian uh, because. The Canadian release was missing the instrumental interludes. 
Um, and I no, thought... No, 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 they had the interludes. I thought that it would it just didn't have uh, ovary stripe. No, it was definitely missing, like, orange and stuff like that. Really? My copy does not have those 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 instrumental interludes. Uh, and at first I thought it was because it was, like, iTunes, because, you know, iTunes has bonus tracks and stuff, right? So I thought the instrumentals were iTunes releases, but they're not. They're on most versions of that album. And there's only a couple, Canada included, where you will not find those instrumental versions. That's silly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad, it, like, okay, so on the one hand, like, um orange and and i think of the other one i mean you know they're, they're nice but they're not like i wouldn't rebuy the album just for them but ovary stripe is a great song and uh so it was in my opinion was worth the repurchase i like the interludes though oh no they're great yeah. but uh, are they enough to rebuy the album right hmm. it, well with ovary stripe yes Yes, because Overstripe's a great a great album. But let's talk about that album. Yeah, you're right. It it doesn't have uh, orange pinch roller orange. Pinch roller that's right now. Huh. That's uh Yeah. But that's uh unconstitutional. <laughs> <laughs> I feel offended. Um, first of all, they didn't have a uh, okay, so Tom Meehan, like I said, is on vocals. Sergio uh Pizarro. Hold on, Michael. Like do they just think Canadians hate instrumentals? I don't know what, like, what was going like, on. Like, what, what on earth? Why would they cut out three tracks? And I know, yeah, some of them are short. I just, I'm just, I, I feel like, I feel kind of hurt. Right? I feel like, hey, I, I like, why Canadian specifically? That's so, that's so weird to me. They're like, uh, like, they're like, Canadians, they don't have time for that. They're too busy being cold and locking themselves up in, uh, <laughs> in houses. and. Well, like, the UK's not like that, too. Come on. Oh, I don't know. I I mean, if, as far as I know, like, where we are in Canada, we have pretty similar weather to the UK. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what on earth was going on in, the, in a record executive's mind. Like, yeah, we're going to rip off all Canadians. Well, I don't know. I literally don't know. <laughs> yeah. What is, what's the deal? <laughs> so, like I said, me and he was vocals. Uh, Sergio Pizzorno, besides production duty, he was also doing guitars and vocals. And truthfully... I have a hard time distinguishing between Mian's voice and Sergio's voice. I know Sergio doesn't have the range, but when they're singing within the same range, I have a very hard time telling them apart. I didn't even know there were two singers. And in one of the albums, Sergio does most of the singing. So, but see, now that I know that, yeah. I'm probably going to re-listen to them and, like, try and pick out which is which. Yeah. Just, like, because, yeah, we've, we're had this before where, like, oh, it was a yay singer. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, yeah, this, and then... Once we once we knew there were two singers, like oh yeah, we could definitely of pick course, it up then. of course there are two singers. Once you yeah. pointed out the difference between John James and Peter Furler, Newsboys, and their singing styles, then uh, then oh yeah, then I could I could pick it out. Chris Karloff, he also did guitars, and Chris Edwards did bass, and Sergio's facial hair was just really cool. Now what are we missing from those from those band members? Um, percussion. Perca- oh yeah, there's no percussion. No drummer. There's no drummer. So in the first album, the percussion duties were spread out. Among Ian Matthews, Ryan Glover, and Daniel Martin. Ian Matthews, though, I guess they had a great time with him. He became the percussionist going forward from that point on. The album was produced by Kasabian, mostly Sergio, and Jim Abbas. Jim Abbas has also produced Arctic Monkeys and Adele, but he's actually got a pretty good resume, too. It also includes Lady Tron, Bjork, and uh, Sneaker Pimps. Now, (laughs) truthfully, I don't think you could ask for a better introductory track for the album and for the band than Clubfoot. In fact, I'm shocked it wasn't their first single, and they went. I think I think they were really trying to make "Reason Is Treason" a thing. Like I think they really wanted to make that you know their song, but no, Clubfoot is their song. Clubfoot hands down is their song, and then "Reason for Treason" was big. "Reason Is Treason" was it was a big song, but it it didn't have the same impact as Clubfoot. 
I mean, they liked it so much that you know they even have a Jackknife Lee remix at the very end of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I always, I always worry. I think that maybe they're worried that like we can't release this song; it's too good. <laughs> it's gonna like, it's gonna like spoil the lot of them. You know can. what? They're assigned to be set for that. Yeah, yeah. Where you release your first track, arguably your best track as your single. Okay, you can make an argument. Yeah, that you shouldn't yeah, do like, that. Yeah, I can understand some reservations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Clubfoot's aggressive. It's political. It has a throaty guitar, electronic overtones, vocal dynamics, and a killer beat. The music video. Have you seen the music video? You know what? I haven't. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's shot like a European Cold War era dramatic film. So it's in black. It's in grayscale, but um, uh, almost uh, gorilla grayscale. And it involves the band holed up in an apartment room in a ghetto, and there's a, a woman, a woman, and she's she's very youthful looking, but she's clearly a sort of rebel, Eastern European rebel guard, garb, and she's uh, she has a standoff with a tank rolling down the middle of the street, and she herself she's standing there challenging a tank, and the tank keeps like lurching forward as if to run her over, and then she looks like she wants to bolt, and in the end she decides that what she's gonna do, she's gonna lay down in front of it and, and do that instead. Mm. And, like, super, like, visually interesting, you know, matches the mood of the of the song. Like, it's it's such a great, such a great visual expression of, of the sentiments in the song. And then we get into Process Beats, where it carries the melodic themes, but slows things down a little bit. Nice way to follow up. And again, Reason is Treason. The, uh, yeah, it brings the energy back up, but it's kind of a more typical rock song. This trilogy of songs really exemplifies the kind of music you can expect from them. Sorry, the alliterative course title is kind of silly. Reason is treason, you know. Um, yeah, it's got a nice kind of groove to it, though. Yeah, you know. It's a little gimmicky, but it fits with their political message. Also kind of silly. Kind of silly, but damn, very quotable. <laughs> ID is pretty electronic with ethereal overtures. This one seems a little more lyrically simple, but also fairly vague. Dude just likes music, I guess. And really, I love U-Boat, skipping to the end. It has a, oh, such yeah. a great build that cuts out suddenly and goes into an ambient trance. Although I'm truthfully on the fence with the Reason is Treason remix at the end, the Jackknife Lee remix. Like, did we need a darker version of this song? Because that's what it is. It's just a darker version, right? All in all, this is a great debut album with some seriously interesting stuff going on musically and thematically. We have, even though there's some songs on here that you could call kind of... A little more basic, a little more stereotypical sort of uh, topics. Um, like Butcher's Blues is a good example of just, you know, just like, oh, I've, I'm just losing control sort of stuff. They feel like they're complimentary because the overall album is a political, politically aggressive album. And those feel like respites from the message. And as we get to later with some of their later albums, this will get kind of turned on its head for better or for worse. And that's, the electronics are great touch, but they, and although they dance the line of wanting to be the next Oasis, they're distinct enough at this point to avoid it. My one criticism is actually that there's just very little levity in the album. So you, you can't go in expecting something fun and uplifting. And it's just like, you know, I want to have a good time. I'm going to put on Cassadian self-titled album. It's dark, it's foreboding, but it's very impressive nonetheless. It kind of depends on your mood, really. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a... <laughs> you know, I, I actually... I have a really good time listening to it. It's not like it's... Uh, Are you going to get up and dance, though? 
in, in a sort of uh, more of a headbangy way rather than a summer jam kind of way. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, you know, it's, it's not like beach music. <laughs> <laughs> not going to play it at the barbecue. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, but it's, it's got a really cool, like, uh, a really aggressive rock kind of sound to it. It's very kind of kind of punkish in a, a punk in like 2004 mm. you know it actually is very uh very kind of of the time um there's a lot of songs that uh it that their style reminds me of like some stuff from helio sequence around that same point in time or actually maybe even more 2001 helio sequence mm. a kind of aggressive like mix of of uh rock and electronic stuff which is uh really good like i really like it not too many bands mix it as well as these guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want... Now, the thing is, like, the more I think about it, the more I feel like it really needs those occasional little instrumental transitions. Sure. Um, because, you know, those are the those are the kind of moments where you can breathe because they keep the, the energy level really, really high. And so, like, it has this nice little break in, like, pinch roller where then it's just like... It's like, ah... And it, and and they use this sort of like this uh, '80s esque synthesizer uh, really well. Um, like uh, build like they build not just transitions, but Overy Stripe is a, is a song kind of built all around that. And um, it's like, damn, why would you release the, why would you release this album without Overy Stripe? <laughs> like, what a stupid idea that is. Right? <laughs> and yeah, U Boat uh, has a bit sort of this. Uh, you, uh, I think we noticed. Uh, Kind of Jean-Michel Jure influences near the end. Yeah, very um, much so. Which is, you know, definitely a, an ending track. The synth is looped on sort of like a wave pattern. It goes up and down, up and down, and up and down, and they build off that, that wave, mm-hmm. uh, which which Jure was always doing. Mm-hmm. So, but, like, it only really works as an ending track because of the kind of the, just the way it carries itself. And they actually accomplish quite a bit in this album. And I, and I think that... Uh, the level of energy and momentum that it carries is a, is a hard thing to maintain, and this album maintains it pretty well. Because um, it because it does it is smart enough to know when to like take breaks, short as even though most of the breaks are quite short, it's just it's just enough to go like okay I'm ready I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> um, so I, th- I I actually think it's a really good time. Like it is it is it is aggressive and it is kind of like yeah it's politically charged. Um, but I think. Um, I guess it depends on what you consider a good time. Uh, mm. It is definitely it's not a uh, yeah it's not a summer jam. It's more of like a autumn night. Nate's old uh, roommate Mobin, he always associated Clubfoot with walking the streets of London after dark. Oh yeah, yeah. Which uh, which is interesting. <laughs> it's got that sort of visceral, you know, wet streets, you know, threatening to rain, bright lights, you know, uh, gang members in the alleys, sort of thing. It's got you know. I, I totally, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he knows what he's talking about because he was actually from, from there. Yeah, yeah so. So. <laughs> so. A month after its release, it cracked the UK's top five, and four of the singles landed in the top 20 within six months. So it was a, it, it's not a slow burn, but it didn't explode. Mm-hmm. It, it gained traction, but gained traction fairly quickly, all things considered. And in mostly the UK. Mm-hmm. Blipped a little bit in the US. And, uh, you know, might have done better in Canada had maybe they released all the songs. Oh! Oh! <laughs> uh, oh <laughs> sorry, sorry. Harsh. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it cracked into the uh, Japanese market, too. But mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of year, mostly in Europe. So, yeah, we, that's the thing, is that we never, we didn't hear a lot of uh, Kasabian over uh, in this, this part of the world. Um, I feel like we, we were kind of a part of an exclusive club. It was you and me, 
Darius and Mobin. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think Nate was very fond of this album as well. Yes, Nate. Nate, Nate brother. Uh, but, that, you know, that was a, a extension from us, I think. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so I actually lent this to our dad, too, and and, uh, and he kind of dug it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when the next single came out from the refor- next, uh, next album, I forwarded it to him, and he actually really liked it. And it was the title track, uh, August 2006, uh, Empire. Uh, another very politically charged album, but instead of uh, one with sort of Cold War overtures, this one was more of like traditional imperialism, and this is exemplified. Have you seen the video for Empire? I actually have seen that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he's literally charging a field. It looks like in like a in a, either like Civil War era kind of, or or even maybe Napoleonic. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe which are two completely different eras. Um, but but you know, yeah, well, just not really. They're about well the English Civil War. Oh, I must go on. Um, and he's you know the thing is I, I, I actually I don't really know when I don't know what the years are for Napoleon come to think of it I literally have no idea. <laughs> uh, I, I just I know what he did. <laughs> I know what he was up to. <laughs> the because um, he uh, there's an an old the, the video begins with like an old um, aging. Uh, general or something uh, you know having like a, a little party way behind the front the front lines and he has a like a little messenger kid that he's he's using like 12 years old or something um in dressed in uniform you know give this message to the to the troops on the front line sends him out to the front line the kid delivers the message and salutes and is shot down and at that point um tom Meehan and the rest of the band are just like we're done you know now we're now uh, kids are the general could have sent a message but he sent a kid in uniform and he kind of leads up a rebellion, and he's put uh, me in at the end. He's put in the fire in front of the firing squad, in front of his own military's firing squad, which was a thing even up to and including World War One, where any troop was considered a deserter, uh, even if it was just because they were they were scared or sowing dissent, would be shot by their own side. A very emotional climax to the to the song. Uh, very and leads a very political, a very political political album as well, with the occasional. And that's the thing, too, is that now there are more... Um, there's still a lot of politically charged songs uh, in here. Um, but now there are more songs that are kind of off off that theme. Like Shoot the Runner, the next track, is is very much a sort of a kind of a twisted love song. And there's there's a few there's a few more like like those. But on the on the whole, we this is a very, very logical follow up. Uh, Chris Karloff departed the band at this point. He's citing creative differences. But he contributed to three of the songs here. Um, you kind of wonder if he, he regrets not staying with the band longer, given, you know, how... I mean, he's, he's, he's probably got a, a bit of money from... But not as yeah, much yeah. as he could have. Yeah. Jane Mailer, Miller from Philadelphia joined in to help with guitars during live performances. And according to All Music, he became a permanent member from 2008 to 2012. It's kind of tenuous, his, his link, because Wikipedia certainly doesn't list him as a permanent member. But All Music does... So outside, outside of it with all music, um, this again was produced by by Abbas and Kasabian. Empire itself, the title track, is an immediate improvement over the last album in theme, musicality, and lyrics. It is a highlight of their careers with a gut wrenching video. But then shoot the runner is a catchy, fairly typical rock song. I wasn't too fond of it at first, actually, but it kind of grew on me. Something about the desperation in the lyrics really stuck with me. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> 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 Although I love the, the the video version of that, I mean it's it's like rotoscoped, but colors are overexposed and stuff. And then they omit every time he says "bitch" from it, bitch. which is just like, 
it kind of takes away some of the charm of the song, you know? You know, sometimes, you know, some things just shouldn't be censored. I, I, I'm a king and she's my queen, bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like the song at first, but now it's just like, I don't know. Um, Stuntman is a, is a highlight of this album with its high-energy rock melded with trance electronica. Now, the Doberman, the last track, because I like the U-Boat so much, the Doberman goes for something epic, but I have a hard time getting into it. Maybe it's a, a little too angry with too little substance. It's just like, well, why are, why are you so angry? You know, I get the image of a Doberman, you know, a, an aggressive barking dog that your word is going to bite into you. But I'm not feeling it, you know. And then at the end, it kind of goes all over the place with like, let's throw in more instruments to show how epic it is. You know, Spanish trumpets, a choir, some movements, because this is an epic song. But give me the substance to make me feel it's epic, you know? You can have an epic song that doesn't have layer upon layer upon layer of instruments if you have that content, you know, the, if you have the the connection. So it feels kind of haphazard to me. And no, it doesn't really have any particularly interesting ideas to, to back it up, ultimately. So I find the album pretty uneven. There are far more moments of levity in here, which was my complaint, my solo complaint about the last one. The material isn't quite as heavy, so it's not like... Yeah, you know, done. But some of the tracks are pretty forgettable. But it did debut at the top of the charts, and the title track was a top ten hits, and the band took home an, an NME award. Um, yeah, it's it's not a solid for sure. Uh, back on the Doberman, um, yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, it takes a little too long to get good, mm. and that's part of, part of its problem. Um, I, I did enjoy it more this time around. Actually, in general, what I'll say is Empire... When I was when I was always thinking back to it, it was always like the disappointing follow up where I was like, mm, I don't know, man, Empire really dropped the ball. But listening to it again for the podcast was actually kind of encouraging. I'm like, oh, you know what? There's more to this than I than I uh, than I usually reflect on. Mm-hmm. Um, Shoot the Runner also worked for me this time around, uh, where uh, not necessarily the bitch portion, <laughs> but uh, but the but the I like the dun, 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 yeah. dun, that comes with it. Like it just it's like oh yeah okay this is this is a, this is a bopper. Empire of course is is a pretty solid track. Uh, one of the highlights of the album. It I, I do feel like it doesn't exactly represent what the album is like as a whole. So I think expectations might be might be set uh, incorrectly for like going forward. But uh, at the same time, I'm not necessarily sure like. W- I wouldn't get rid of the track. No. And I don't know where else I'd put it. Yeah. So It is a good opening track. So I really, I don't know. I just, I guess maybe if they use some of the influence from that track to uh, carry on into the rest of the album, it might have felt more cohesive. But, uh, but that's okay. You know, once you get past it, you know, then the, then the, yeah, the, the music is kind of along the same track as, as the first album. Did you notice... Bit. Arguably, the three best tracks were the ones that were co-written by Chris Karloff before he left. You know, I was actually just noticing that now a little bit <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, you because uh, I was I just was reading through this now. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, there this album does still kind of lose a little bit of the gas in the tank as it goes along. Luckily, yeah, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a resurgence. Particularly with Stuntman, as you also noted, mm-hmm. uh, Stuntman is just like a stone cold classic, and is good as good as anything on the first album. And like, what a great little intro! It's kind of Alan Parsonsy, <laughs> and then oh yeah, and then the oh so good. Mm-hmm. Stuntman's so good. Yeah, so Stuntman like by far and away is the best track on the album. And then yeah, then uh, but then after that again the the. the 
even though the tracks after it aren't particularly long, they still kind of lose gas a lot faster and and yeah, the Doberman. I do I do appreciate the conclusion of the Doberman. I think that it does get it gets good, but it does take a little bit of time to get there. So I I kind of I. In a lot of ways, I, I see kind of what Empire was trying to be, and I ad admire it, but it, it does feel like it's it was a an attempt at something that didn't quite make it there. But, uh, you know, it, it was a worthy attempt, and we, there was a lot of great tracks along the way. So. Mm. One thing yeah. I've noticed, and this this has been, this will dog Kasabian through their whole career, from their first album, they have critics very divided. There's a lot of critics who, who, just, who just take great pleasure in lambasting Kasabian. <laughs> uh, and it happens all the damn time. And there's some who just, like, love it all the time. Um, it is it is kind of hard to find really... I read through a bunch of them. Uh, really measured reviews of their albums. I think in part because a lot of them are British. And British music critics are very, very finicky. Yeah. I don't blame them. They got, they got tons of music. Like, there's always tons and tons of music. For all, all the UK music that we managed to hear over here, there's so much more over there. So, I mean, I can understand that they get kind of, like... You know, the noses get... Especially ones that... If they, they find a couple bands they really like that don't get big. And then, meanwhile, you get a band that you're so-so on that does get big. I can, I can understand feeling kind of grumbly about that, you know? But, I mean, sometimes some of the reviews are just a, a, a little too, you know... It's like, you guys even give this a chance. <laughs> well, that's just it, right? It's, it's like, yeah, but I don't know. What can well, you do? You know, it's all as, as I always say. Itty what it <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, you do say that a lot. <laughs> um, so we go jump forward. Uh, it didn't feel like that long, but I guess it was June two thousand nine. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, in two thousand nine, that about fits the bill. Yeah, because we were in the the house on fifty first street. That makes sense. Yeah. The West Rider Popper Lunatic Asylum. Um, this one change of direction for producers. Sergio Pizarno is now taking the credit, not produced by Casabian, with Dan the Automator. Dan the Automator comes mm -hmm. on board, uh, giving a very different sound than uh, Jim Abbas. Yeah, definitely um, uh, a, a change of direction. Whatever whatever sound you expected from uh, that was kind of consistent between Kasabian and Empire, it's a definite shift mm -hmm. away from that. Uh, in 1818, uh, going onwards, there were four hospitals in operation treating mental health among the poor in West Yorkshire. The Stanley Road Hospital, the South Yorkshire Asylum, High Roads Hospital, and Storts Hall. These were the West Riding Popper Lunatic Asylum. Um, so the asylum referred to the group of hospitals. Treating people with psychosis or depression or anything in between alcoholism, uh, any, anybody that they could throw into this cluster of hospitals, they would. And they ran up to even just like 100 years ago, early 20th century. Uh, yeah, Dag. Now this one has also, again, we're... Still keeping on the kind of the Kasabian, what Kasabian is known for, and that on the whole you have a politically charged album with some more generic or even fun songs thrown in that, that just serve as like you know like you're going out and you're having a bit of fun, knowing in the background is this larger topic sort of thing. So you're having fun in spite of this larger political topic. That seemed to be kind of how Kasabian did their thing. Uh, and in this one, it deals very much so with having, you know, the poor and the mentally impoverished thrown into a lunatic asylum and left, undergoing very, you know, unfortunate and uh, unusual experimentation or treatments. At one point, Pizzorno said that each track in the album represented a patient. 
I have a, some of those definitely, but uh, some of the tracks uh, I think that is a is a stretch, is a stretch. But it, it's what they were going for at least. Certainly, even like but like fire for sure, one hundred percent. There's there's a there's an almost a bipolar approach to the song and the lyrics for for fire, but you know some of them not so much. Andrew Leahy of All Music, uh, he he wasn't impressed with most of Kasabian's work, but he had to admit a begrudging respect for this one. <laughs> but on the whole, reviews were super mixed. I think the title is a little on the pretentious side, to be honest. You know where you have a, an overly complicated, charged title. You know, it's just like, and, and, and it's, a, it's kind of long, and it's, it's just like, uh, you know, we're making a statement sort of title. It's very cheeky, kind of smarmy, but not atypical when, you know, it seemed to fit in with what they were doing. It was Kasabian's thing, right? Mm-hmm. However, but, uh, what I'll say is uh, it's very difficult to remember. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it isn't doing them any favors on that front. <laughs> it's like, let's say the new Kasabian album, the uh, West, um, the Asylum, the, uh, the 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 lunatic one. You know, it's it's the one that like uh, music nineteen year old music snobs take great pride in memorizing mm-hmm. and and saying, oh, clearly their best work. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kasabian keep us up with their tradition by having great opening tracks. Uh, Underdog is guitar-driven and aggressive. It shows a pretty... It's showing a pretty typical Kasabian opening track. It's strong and interesting. Then it follows up with a world music-inspired Where Did the Love Go? With some fascinating new sounds for the band, although this is the first time I started noting when Mian tries to hit the upper register, he kind of sounds a bit nasally. But, you know, uh, it worked for me in the song. But -hmm. it doesn't always work for me going forward. Uh, Swarfiga continues on as a fascinating instrumental track very understated and subtle like like it it's almost like you're hearing it from a distance you're hearing that mm-hmm. coming in the distance and i'm i'm i was down with that uh the west rider silver bullet has a strange guest vocalist with rosario dawson who's sadly quite underused maybe letting her have a guest verse would make it feel more like a guest spot rather than her just looping vocals over me because that's what kind of sounds like sounds like and maybe it wasn't. Maybe they were singing together. But it, it sounds like, remember uh, Southside, right? Oh, yeah, where, where just yeah. Gwen Stefani came out later and just recorded over top. That's what a sound... When you have a guest vocalist come in and just basically kind of harmonize or counter, it it sounds like they didn't have to be in the same room. Whereas like maybe like a guest verse are coming in, you know? Maybe something more like... Um, the big fight from stars, something more like that. Like you, you got an interesting guest vocalist in. Let's let's do something really really interesting. Vlad the Impaler might be the most radio friendly song on the album and the first really radio friendly song of the career. A very catchy chorus, you know the repeated command. That's that you could just stick on any rock radio station. So the highs aren't quite as high with this album, but it's consistently good. And not nearly as dark as the self-titled. It's not really any weak tracks here, and the experimentation and sound is welcome. Uh, Happiness, the last track, has a nice sentiment and an older rock ballad sound, but Mian's voice isn't doing it for me at this point. I found it to be an improvement over the Doberman, but not quite up to U-Boat. This has been a tricky album because I always felt like I should like it more than I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more spit and polish on this one. And I never, I guess I kind of liked a bit of the grit that came with, uh, came with Kasabian's first two albums. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't really have the grit. It, it has, uh, it's just, it's super shiny. But, you know, and that's what happens when you bring in a guy like Dan the Automator. He makes, he makes things sound, he makes it sound good. But yeah, also like, there was no, no time when I listened to it, 
Am I like, oh, this really isn't doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like I, I can complain too much. Um, although, yeah, I'll, uh, for me, Swar, Swarfiga. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. Like, that, that is one of the highlights of the album. <laughs> it's the one where I'm like, oh, yeah, that one's good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, but it's a tiny little instrumental. You know, it's not something that I can feel like is like a centerpiece of the album. Sure. Like, sometimes when an album is, is a little bit weaker, if there's like a really nice centerpiece, I can kind of like build build around that in my sort of like how I listen to it, uh, which is, I don't know, it's kind of a hard thing to explain. Mm. But like, I just don't have anything significant on here that I can latch onto. And, uh, and, and off, like, there's a lot of the tracks that I just don't really remember how they go. And, yeah, that's a shame. Because, uh, you know, like, it's not like they're bad songwriters. It's not like they're, not like they've really, like, significantly dropped a ball. Like, uh-oh, just saving jump on the shark or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but there's just not much that I can kind of, like, sink my teeth into. Yeah. So I don't, unfortunately, I don't have, like, too much to say. <laughs> um, I think they wanted Vlad the Impaler to be the tentpole track. That they had a, a strangely IT crowd uh, music video for it, where Noel Fielding, again, uh, played Va- Vlad himself, and was directed by Richard Ayoade? I- yeah, I never oh, know how yeah. to say his last name. Uh, Ayoade? Ayoade, yeah. A- 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 yeah. Which, uh, yeah, he's apparently a pretty good filmmaker in his own right, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, f- I feel like, and because it is such a radio-friendly song, I, I feel like... They were aiming for that to be the tent pole, but I I will agree I don't feel there are any any super strong tent pole songs. Again, I feel it's just, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, kind of it's, consistently it's, good. It's, it's consistent, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's just really all I got on it. Yeah, uh, and I had bought, bought this one straight away when I got it, and I was I yeah, no, I was all right with it. I found it charming, but I didn't come back to it as much as I came back to the self titled or the highlight tracks from Empire. Because, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll be listening to Kasabian and I'm like, ah, I kind of want to hear Stuntman. Or something, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Now, it was only a couple of years later that Velociraptor was released, September 2011. And I was aware it was released, but I didn't get, a, I never got around to picking it up. Um, and I had a couple opportunities to. Oh, really? You didn't get this one? I never picked it up, yeah. Oh, I, do I own it then? Maybe. Because Maybe, I'm sure somebody has a physical... Hmm. Hold on, folks. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick look. <laughs> well, look at that. I do have it. No. Well, there yeah. You go. So i I don't know what it was, but uh, I I I remember. I do actually remember seeing it at H and V. I think for a pretty mm-hmm. good price. Mm-hmm. And then um, I I for some reason I thought you had it, but no, I have it in my collection. I've had it here this whole time, everybody. <laughs> this whole time. Oh yeah. First of all, the cover art is. Sergio Pizarro. It's uh, his beard really has gotten out of control. Yeah, his facial hair now has has dominated the album. <laughs> uh, it wants it wants to take control. <laughs> Dan the Automator is producing again as well with Sergio. So Which, you know makes sense. It's got a similar aesthetic to the previous. Very album. much so. Yeah. And again, the killer opening tracks because with a gone and boing, and a kick, let's roll like just like we used to. It melds world music and pop hooks into a very serviceable rock song. Yeah, great, great opening. Days Are Forgotten is an aggressive but ultimately silly rock track, reminiscent of the West Rider Popper Lunatic Asylum, but Goodbye Kiss is just a bit too pop ballad for my tastes, to be honest. The title track, Velociraptor, mm-hmm. um, is We're saying awesome. it like that because there's an exclamation mark. There's an exclamation mark. Yeah. So if you don't say it, Velociraptor, 
or Velociraptor, mm-hmm. or just like if you don't put the emphasis there, mm-hmm. we're not gonna know what you're talking about. No, I, I you think know. you're talking about the dinosaurs. Okay, so this know. isn't the Dino Show. No, this isn't the dinosaurs A to Z. But we found our V dinosaur. We did. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's probably gonna be most people's V dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, though this that title track is kind of what I would expect the theme song for Bloodthirsty Party Animal Dinosaur to be. So very appropriate. Already I'm noticing this album is a bit lighter than previous works without becoming bland or losing the identity of the band. There's some experimentation. Sometimes the harmonizing is very Wild West or world music. Uh, We've lost a lot of that political stuff now. We're still fairly aggressive and there's still some anger. But But mostly they're singing about dinosaurs. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But there's nothing political really on here. Uh, it's dinosaur politics. Uh, dinosaur politics, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Hear Voices is a great throwback electronic track with a tragic synth hook over top of a glitchy beat. It's possibly one of the best songs on this album. With a great, but with a great guitar lead, a tight beat, restrained vocals, and accentuated synth work, Rewired may be one of the best songs of the album. Or maybe Switchblade Smiles. So the second half is really good, I, I feel. And I'm, I'm rarely impressed with their closing tracks, but now Neon Noon actually hits that sentimental note with a great mix of electronic and rock, a subdued performance by the whole band, and it's it's feels finally it's just like okay, so I finally have a closing track as good as U Boat, and it's Neon Noon. Yeah, you know, I do feel like this is an improvement over West Rider Popper Lunatic Asylum. Hey, you remembered it? No, I read it. It was on, oh. it was on the screen right there. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah, but you know, it, it's got some of the same issues in that it is a little still it's still a little too glossy. Mm. It's, it's, it's still too clean, um, and something about the way that they uh, they sing and they write songs just doesn't it doesn't lend itself to that that really clean sheen. But it is mostly enjoyable, um, and so you just kind of have to focus on different things. So like, well, the early albums there's a certain gritty energy that they had. You know, you just have to kind of treat this as if it's uh, its own thing, and and it's you know it's 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 the same band, but obviously this is a band that's many years later and they've evolved Mm -hmm. and um so one of the strengths that this one has over the previous album is that i feel like they put a lot more work and a lot more thought uh into the vocal melodies and and there's a i don't know as i was listening to it i they just seemed more creative about them like the, the 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 songs they they felt more um more more as if they kind of just relied on on how they were actually sung and, and how that, and how they were written rather than um rather than like a certain sort of aesthetic if that makes sense mm. yeah um yeah i really <laughs> yeah I, I think that's that's one of the main things is i just remember hearing this and going like you know actually these they actually there's these are kind of clever very uh very very um dynamic uh, uh vocal melodies and and yeah i i unfortunately like it's still even even though this one got like much more critical praise um i still feel like this isn't exactly um i don't know it's, it's not it's not hit, it's still not hitting that like right spot for me and i don't know i don't i can't put, pinpoint exactly what it is um i think i think it is just that like it's just it's just i don't know it's just a little too clean mm. but yeah Still, again, much like the last album, but even more so, I still like it. Like it still, it still feels like you know, there's no like obvious duds or anything. But yeah, it's not the same. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I just, I like, I like the grit. Oh, fair. So I didn't buy that album. 
And actually, from that point on, I haven't bought any other Kasabian albums. I think in part because now, like, I'm just not seeing or hearing a lot of them over here in North well, America. Well, yeah, well, one thing it was saying is that uh, Velociraptor tanked in, well, it says the U.S., but I'm assuming that to some extent extends to North America. Uh, because Sony wasn't really backing them up over here. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. You know, I, as, you know, as much as I, 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 obviously, I don't dislike these albums, I, uh, I kind of, but they're definitely not in the public consciousness around here. No. Yeah. Uh, June 2014, uh, named after the runtime of the album, is 4813. Uh, now, from the get-go, one thing I'll say about the visual aesthetic is this is the point where the visual aesthetic, the visual aesthetic, moves away from their past albums. Their past albums have all had a very, you know, um, I keep using the word aggressive, but, you know, there's 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 been something very, very serious very uh about about the the visual aesthetics of the album um mature you could even say and these next two albums not so much a little a little more you know a little more any band could (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. this sort of aesthetic uh and i mean i know exactly what they were going for they wanted something that kind of felt a little it was it's sterile and poppy at the same time having all the track numbers um feels sterile sterile it feels like it's it's broken down into components, but then having that that, that offensive pink background uh, is, is also is super bubblegum, bubblegummy, right? So I, I get what they're going for with the visual aesthetic, but it doesn't feel like a Kasabian visual, visual aesthetic. You know what I mean? Now, this now is solely produced by Sergio Bizzorno, and he even sings lead on most of the tracks. This debuted at number one on the UK charts. So the question is then, yeah, the lead vocals guy then... yeah. Tom, uh, Mian, Mian. So, what does he do on those tracks when, when Sergio's singing? Probably counts as money. I mean, I don't know. Okay, uh, looks angry. I don't know. Shiva and Bumblebee show a more electronic edge, if that was even possible. The distorted vocals make that undeniably soul. So, uh, Stevie kind of gives it a bit of a Chemical Brothers feel. I've, uh, I actually, last time I was in Victoria, I picked up two Chemical Brothers albums, and Come with Me. I'm very fond of that album. Uh, and so I was kind of feeling feeling a bit of that in there. So I think one of their influences are Chemical Brothers. And Doomsday is a fun and energetic song that pulls you right in and demands you dance. But I'm still having a really hard time telling the difference between me and Pizzorno. Um This is a great album, but I will admit I miss that political identity they've traded for a party boy image. I mean, they have the energy and the chops for it and always have. But watching these guys prance around in the Ease A video is weird. It's a video... It reminds me of... Um, Imagine if right after war, U2's war, uh, they did pop sort of thing. You know, the the sudden shift mm. would be, and that's not to say there's, that, that pop's a bad album, but the sudden shift would be kind of weird. It just because they're, you know. I knew it was already kind of shocking when it happened with U2 and they released pop. People were like, yeah. what? <laughs> um, to come right after war, I think uh, people wouldn't even know what to they probably would their whole grasp on reality would probably crash and shatter around them. Yeah, so and Eze has is is actually the video reminded me of Discotech, the video for Discotech. So you know they're all dancing around and striking poses and dressing silly and stuff. Um, they they go for a more political message and bow. Um, and Pizarro he's looking at the camera and he's crying and it's feeling stripped down and stuff. But it's track twelve. 
album's almost over mm-hmm. at that point. So remember how I said that the past albums, the, the it almost seemed like Kasabian Identity was even when you got a kind of a fun song or a song that's a little more stereotypical in content, but behind you always felt that looming political message. This is completely the opposite, where it's just like this whole thing, it's a big party party album, but you know, by the way, you know, sometimes you know people hurt and there's injustice in the world and stuff, but eh, uh, back to the partying. You know, it's it's the other way around. I don't know if I'm I'm down with that per se, like all things considered. I don't know, right? But that being said, there's some really great albums, great songs on this album. There are, legitimately. I, I can't deny that these, these guys are really talented and they've got a great energy and it's fun and the electronics cool and stuff, but that whole political stuff is, is completely gone. Critics lambasted the album's lyrics, and I get it. They're not great. Treat, in particular, seems really kind of silly and basic. But I think this is, they were going for more club music than the thinking man's music. If it's what they were going for, then, yeah, I mean, you can be open for criticism, but you can't grade it the same. You know, I miss the political stuff, but I'm not going to grade this as a political album because it's not. You know, so if they're singing about parties and it's a party album, then be like, then being like, you know, all this, 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 you know, these party lyrics are so vapid. Well, it's just like, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, after the confusing explodes, which is full of awesome bits. And, and it exploded. <laughs> it's full of awesome bits and bits that drag. So it's, it's got, that's, that song is up and down for me. Comes the fascinating but all too short levitation. And there were, that's just that shame. There was a lot of potential in that song. The song's not even a minute and a half. And there was a, they could have gone so many places with that song, and they didn't. It's too bad. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the track, I don't know, just, uh, the album just kind of ends. So, I mean, like, man, I don't know. I was I was really conflicted by, by this album. I was really conflicted by it. And Shiva, really cool, but not the, the, to the degree of the opening tracks in the past. SPS, I've forgotten. After the, the the confusing dynamic between Ize and Bao, SPS literally just got lost on me. Hmm. Well, Shiva, first of all, I never thought of it as a an, a, an opening track no, so much so, so much as a, a a bit of a you know it's just, it's just revving up for Bumblebee, right? Sure. Um, our Bumblebee. <laughs> um, Bumblebee. I only got to the to listen to this once, so uh, it's all pretty raw. Um, well, hold on, hold on. I gotta go. I gotta go back to that though. But like, with um, I and I know I shouldn't hold these guys to the same standard, but De Lost in the Comatorium, that first track, even though it's a lead up into um, in Inertica, yeah, or something around, yeah, yeah, it's still an awesome opening track. It's still really cool, even though it's a build up track. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. Yeah, it just kind of feels like it's all. They're they're like they're just two tracks that shouldn't be separated, you know. Mm. Um, I don't mind it. The yeah, uh, the the cover art's an eyesore. Like, well, oh, that's a brutal shade of pink. That's <laughs> brutal. Um, it's an eye melting shade of pink. I do not. I do not approve. Uh, I have never had issues with the cover art before, but this is. Uh, although I do actually like the, I like what they're doing with the with the numbers with the with the track with like is that track titles. They're putting on the track uh, lengths, and then then it leads like I enjoy that aspect of it, but oh, what a pink! Ah, mm. uh, yeah. Ugh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, you know, it is interesting that uh, 
don't know what it is, but I actually, I, I, I kind of dug this album quite a bit. Uh, it kind of it addressed what what my concern was over the last couple albums, which is it kind of brought back uh, some of the, some of the more edgier sound. And they don't bury the lead. Bumblebee is uh, one of their more most unabashedly rock songs I've had in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, cool, nice. And but they do kind of mix it up with a little bit with uh, with some more electronic stuff. It's not as mixed. It's not. It's not the like. A tapestry is as uh, like mixed in that kind of sense as well as it was in the like, first album. Um, it's more of almost like uh, two different things kind of balancing each other out at times. Like uh, like um, like different songs have more of an electronic feel and some of them have more of a rock feel. But both sides of it, both sides of them work pretty well. So it's almost like you flip a coin. Oh, I got the electronic side. Oh, I, st- I still dig it. <laughs> um, hmm. In the case of Treat. That really the, the the this one's sort of like the centerpiece of the album. Sure. Um, I feel like it starts off as more of a rock song and then turns into a more of a dance electronic song, and as such, it's actually a, it's a fascinating, it's a pretty fascinating piece of music. I, it actually winds up kind of one of the things I was unable to do before is is I could, you know treat was kind of like something I could really latch onto and like okay yeah and. and so this is kind of what the aesthetic of the album is, and now I, I kind of understand its vision, and I can kind of enjoy the album based off of that. Um, and, you know, like, generally speaking, it doesn't really feel like it's 48 minutes and 13 seconds long. It kind no. of feels a little, a little more brisk than that, which is good, I guess, you know? You don't want to feel to feel like it's dragging, um, where I did feel kind of like... Um, you know, Empire, I feel, kind of dragged a little bit. It's like, uh, is it done? No, not really. They still got that. Yeah, this one is, uh, yeah, it moves at a pretty good pace. And so I, I, I you know, I, again, I only listened to it once. But I, it left a, left a good impression. I'm like, okay, yeah, Kasabi, and they're still, just still doing their thing. I didn't get a chance to like even, even think about the lyrics. So uh, <laughs> you know, the, the people are like, oh, they lambasted the lyrics. I'm like, oh, um, maybe, maybe they were lame. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just, it's not the point of the album, though. That's the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, why, why attack the lyrics? It's a, it's a, it's a party album. It's, the, yeah, know, the way I listen to music yeah. is that I, I rarely, I, I don't typically even really get into the lyrics until later on i it's just not it doesn't register so well I, i'm really bad at remembering lyrics anyway um like there's songs i've been listening to for years and i would still like could easily misquote them um so yeah i i'm always, i always listen to like just the musicality and the beats and stuff like first it's always the stuff that really hits me and so on that a very aesthetic level the album works for me it was only a couple years later really Although I missed it entirely, uh, May of 2017 comes uh, for crying out loud. The cover art has their longtime roadie, but I will admit it's pretty bland. Uh, Kasabian, again, as I said, they had a very distinct style visually, and this one doesn't even come close. You couldn't, you couldn't argue that's that at all. Uh, yeah, I know it, it. It reminds me of something like as like I've seen a cover art like this before. Yeah, but I can't. I, I, off, just off the top of my head, I can't think of what, what I, I'm even thinking of. You can expect this sort of cover art from, like, Arctic Monkeys or something like that, you know? Uh, you know, kind of... Maybe. Yeah. Um, or even, like... Uh, yeah, I see. I, I, I still can't. I can't pinpoint it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is that's come come to mind, it's just at the very back of it. It just... It, 
mm, yeah. So I'm I'm not a fan of the visual aesthetic of the last two albums. You know, I um, I would have liked it even if they if they kept their font. The font would have helped. Yeah. But I mean, cause... he's a guy who's looking perturbed with with like hand drawn tears. Uh, you know, it just, uh, I guess it's just that it seems a bit juvenile. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know obviously it seems like they're kind of going for the little bit of that. Like, you can't, you can't make a cover art like that and go like, people are going to take this really seriously. Yeah. So, like, can you hold it against them? I don't know. But at the same time, I don't hate it, but I don't get it. Now, this kicks off pretty well with Ill Ray. Thank you. Great, great opening track again. All right. But already sets up that this is more of a rock album than The Last Venture. You're in love with a psycho who seems to carry on with that style until a bridge that screams sci-fi soundtrack, which I will admit, I was very pleasantly surprised by. I was like, okay, maybe they're going for a more back-to-basic sort of rock thing. Oh, nope, there we go. We got some uh, a Casio sort of thing going on. Okay, great. Now, 4813 hit platinum in the UK. This one only hit gold. Ouch. Um, but these at are, least... These are treacherous times we live in. Yeah. <laughs> at least it opened as number one. Uh, and so, I mean, like, at this, at this point, Promise is the last time we're going to mention it, has Kasabian kind of taken over Oasis's mantle um, as, like, the defining Britpop sort of band for, like, a decade? Is this, was this a solid, was there a solid 10 years at Kasabian, and now it's starting to wane? Just sort of like there was a good, good solid long while for Oasis that's, that waned completely. You know? Well, I mean... I don't think Kasabian was ever as big as Oasis. Oasis... Globally. Globally, for sure, Oasis was bigger. But, I mean, like... I mean, you know... Oasis was was huge. Yeah. They were, like, one of the biggest bands of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I I just don't feel like Kasabian reached that level. And that's no disrespect to Kasabian. It's just, like, not everyone can be the biggest band of the 90s. (laughs) Or, or, Or 2000s or whatever. You know, the thing is, like... I personally, I don't really see the Oasis connection. Uh, it never even occurred to me as something that they're just, you know, they're just guys from, you know, they're... Did you watch the Todd in the Shadows, his train records for that uh, Oasis album? I did, yeah. Yeah, I guess because I've seen it somewhat recently, I can I can hear a lot of the sounds and the experimentation. But Oasis, I felt by that point, I mean, I agreed with Todd's analysis. I feel like they were fumbling. And they were going for more than they were capable of get, getting out, and it just wasn't living up to it. Yeah, well, you know, they just, I think when it comes down to it, they just were going for something bigger rather than just writing good songs. But, anyways, yeah. that's not, that's, this isn't always for Oasis. This sure. is key is for Kasabian. I'd be scared to do that, mm-hmm. to do that episode. <laughs> anyways, The Party Never Ends is like an older style Kasabian song that might fit an Empire or West Rider or Popper Lunatic Sound. But it actually sounds deflated and tired, but given the subject matter of the song, this is an appropriate. It does sound like they've been in a party that's been going on way too long and they want to keep partying, but they're just, they're just not, they can't keep up that energy. So it actually works for me. However, with that album up to that point, I just, I was just having a hard time getting into it until, are you looking for action? Granted, it's eight and a half minutes, but I genuinely got excited about that song. Super catchy hooks, killer spacey synth vibe, punctuated guitar. This is a melding of Kasabian's best. Dark synth rock, high energetic dance. And for the life of me, it was reminding me of somebody and it was driving me bonkers. And then I realized hearing that, that there had been all these tracks in 4813 and some even in Velociraptor that they were reminding me of someone and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I spent days doing research like... Who does this sound like? You know, because I mean, I, I mentioned I mentioned Oasis and I mentioned, but who is this? 
who is this reminding me of? And then, boop, I finally, it finally came to me upon oh. listening to Are You for Action? They remind me of Jaguar Ma. I don't know if I know enough Jaguar Ma. I can't, I know there's We a... saw a bit of them at Sasquatch, or, and then I went home and I looked them up and I was listening to them uh, quite a bit in the months following Sasquatch. Oh, I didn't even know that. Uh, usually in the shower. And uh, I listened to Jaguar Ma, and actually I really like them. I still gotta get my hands on an actual album. But they're not quite as fully committed to the dark dance vibes like Jaguar Ma is. Jaguar, Jaguar Ma goes like full on, full on like rave at times. Like they just keep going. And Are You Looking for Action though, it, it treads that line. Now Put Your Life On, unfortunately as a closing track, they, it felt very similar to the Doberman for me in that it was another sort of inspirational track that kind of flounders a bit as a closer. Um, now there's so, so on the whole for this album there's some great tracks in the middle of this album, but on the whole I wasn't too impressed with it. Well, I think I actually um, again I, I've only listened to, it, listened to it once and it's pretty fresh because uh, I may have listened to it mostly before you got here. Yeah, fair. Uh, um, so give me the unfiltered, just listen to uh, version then. I thought it was uh, doing some really interesting things and I think I liked it a lot more than you. Um, in that you know there's some interesting instrumentation. There was one track. Uh, again, it's all fresh, so I, I can't... Oh, remember. all through the night, right? Um, no, no, uh, there was one that had, uh, some saxophone in it, and it was ah. like, oh, that's doing something really interesting. And then there was, uh, I think all through the night was What's the one... The, the theremin. With, uh, some theremin at the end, and I was about to kind of dismiss that track, but then, it, yeah, at the end it actually got kind of interesting, so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's working, that's... So I feel like they're, they're actually trying some new things, and again, I like the fact that they're going for something a little more edgier and grittier... Like, I feel like this aesthetic actually works for them. But I do agree that the, the, what I heard of the last track, um, it just seemed, it, it flounder is a good word for it, is that it just, I was like, oh, I don't know where, I don't know where this is going. I kind of like, it just seemed a little too, eh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, similarly, yeah, I also, that really long song, uh, Are You Looking For Action, uh, was kind of a highlight. It, it actually had a, Really good beat, a lot of energy. But yeah, I'd, I'd say that this one, um, you know, again, very unfiltered, uh, had a very nice first impression for me anyway. It was it was pretty cool, like, staying kind of true to the roots, but uh, but try, just trying out a few different things to kind of keep the sound a little fresh. So mm-hmm. I didn't have any, I didn't have any obvious issues with it. Yeah, that actually, it, 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 it's also a little, little bit longer than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't seem to, um, doesn't seem to drag. But then, I didn't really listen to it from start to finish. So, because uh, I kind of started the album and then I ate food and had to uh, take a bit of a nap and then, and then kind of continued it. So that really, you know, I guess come to think of it, I really can't say that with any level of authority <laughs> that it doesn't drag because i haven't i haven't given it the proper start to finish listen so velociraptor was platinum 4813 was gold this one was silver yeah oh, wow that's rough um you know it's it's, it's tough because like it, i mean i don't actually know how these things are measured anymore because like so many people listen to stuff through streaming mm. it's like uh i mean how, how I, I know that you can see uh, how off how how much songs have been streamed, especially if they're like the top the top like ten. Yeah, I, I just I just I just don't know if if 
I don't know how well bands can chart these days. I don't mm-hmm. know how, how it's done. Mm-hmm. Things, have, things have just changed so much. Yeah. They used to go by how many singles you bought, people bought, and that's not going to be a thing anymore. Yeah, and I mean, we're not really we're in an age of downloads even anymore. It's streaming. It's an mm-hmm. age of streaming right now. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. Kasabian's a very fascinating uh, example, and I think, I think one that's worth looking at here in terms of production, because we've had six albums. First two were produced by Jim Abbas and Sergio. The second two were produced by Dan the Automator and Sergio. And the third one is just Sergio. Now, from what it sounds like to me is that you you were feeling that Dan the Automator, as great a producer as he was, wasn't quite capturing Kasabian's sound. You're polishing it up too much. Yeah. Uh, whereas, Jim so. Ab- whereas Jim Abbas, you were feeling, was capturing that sort of raw, aggressive energy. I think he did a great job for, mm-hmm. uh, for like like I feel like that's still kind of the definitive sound of Kasabian, and uh, and Sergio uh, tackling these uh, next two albums kind of had the right st- sound, but I don't feel like they're produced quite as well as the first two. Mm. Uh, like I, I feel like like uh, Kasabian's self titled is a superbly produced album, like just like just has a really cool, very rich sound to it. And, and and these ones like again I like it but they're 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 a little more raw which you know raw can work mm-hmm. but it's not like it's just it I, I you know it's such a weird thing to it's, it's such a hard thing to pinpoint but there just isn't that sort of like really like <laughs> how do you say like musical juiciness <laughs> <laughs> I don't but it's it's, it's kind of how I felt about um, when you two uh, going from um, no line on the horizon to songs of innocence um like you could you could really hear the absence of brian eno mm. uh in that cha- like like brian eno's per- like i know a lot of people have issues with no line on the horizon but that the production on that album is amazing uh like pr- like it just sounds so good um those certain tracks especially like um yeah, the, like the, the whatever you know is well. He's you know he's Brian. You know, there's there's no one else like him. Yeah, there's it's it's interesting because it's, you know you can have the same songwriters, but uh, the production team really changes everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you can I, I feel like Kasabian's a great example of how different producers can really change the sound of an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Let's do track recommendations. I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna take some good ones. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> okay, <it>. okay. <clears throat> because you know, I, I gotta, I gotta give people a really nice little starter pack. Like, if if you aren't sold on these, then I don't know, I don't know what I can do for you. Maybe Kasim is not for you. But um, you know, you gotta go with Clubfoot. <laughs> you just, you just get, you know, I was, I was thinking about it. I, I was like, well, like, where would I want people to start? And I, I just feel like you gotta start, you gotta start with Clubfoot. Like just so, just so you know what Kasabian's about. Like I feel like if 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 somebody was like, "What's all right?" Just like give me one song by Kasabian. Clubfoot might be the one because uh, it's uh, you know like as as we were just talking about, very like richly produced. Like the the this sort of raw kind of energy that um, is can only really be done by like a fledgling band mm. you know uh, and like just like a lot to say and a lot and, and a lot of attitude but also like but also you know given it's a uh, fair fair spit and polish like it's not uh it's not raw i mean it is okay it is raw but it's also like 
it's raw emotionally, but not raw aesthetically, <laughs> if that makes sense. And that's kind of a cool thing to capture. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I definitely, definitely recommend Buffworks to uh, to listen to because it it's it's a killer. It's a killer track. Um, yeah, I'm just I feel I feel like I'm being greedy here, but I gotta go. I gotta go. Gotta go, Stump Man. I know you were gonna Stump Man. Uh, <laughs> I love Stump Man. Yeah, Stump Man is just like it's it's just. Okay, maybe maybe this is the one where people are like, what is Kasabian about? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll tell you what Kasabian is about. You gotta listen to Stuntman. Um, See the white of their eyes. I'm a Stuntman. Like uh, like that one, uh, even more so. What's cool about it is it's it's um it's not as dark as Clubfoot is. It's a little more like it's yeah, just a little bit more lighthearted. And, and it, but it does really cool things like electronically and and still has that really like. Like yeah, I'm 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 juiced up, but I gotta like go for a run kind of sound to it, and um, uh, I, it's just a shame that one didn't have a music video because I'd love I'd love to like see how they could try and capture that energy visually. Um, maybe that's why they didn't release it. As a, if you like, like we can't do it. We can't do it. <laughs> video and do the song justice. Um, yeah, so definitely check that out, and. Um, I'm gonna go for a treat. That uh, that big uh, the big one on on uh, 4813. Uh, yeah, kind of the centerpiece of the album. The fact that it just kind of it kind of sh it it changes, it evolves, and, well, or or maybe takes a kind of a dramatic shift um, in, in its aesthetic and, and kind of uh, kind of captures just kind of what that that album is about. It's it's a great uh, yeah, it's a really great track and really cool dance dance song. Um, and a really standout moment in the, the later catalog of the Saving Works. Y'all should check that out. Cool. Alright, off of their first album. Uh, I haven't really spoken about it that much, but one of my favorite tracks off the album, and had been for quite a long time, was ID. ID's a good one. Yeah, ID's a good one. That Maybe one is, our... is, uh, has some significance for this podcast. Yeah. And that was our, it was our, for our first run, mm -hmm. the, um... It was the intro track. And the reason why is because, I mean, you wouldn't know it from listening to the, the clip we used. Um, because the song deals with um, with someone who's, lo someone who's lonely and someone who, who feels lost. And their only boy, their only, their only, uh, the only thing keeping them afloat is music. And it's, 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 it's all that's, that's, that is important to them. Um, and, you know, when he's singing about... Um, in his life and his surroundings and how he's feeling and stuff, it's down. It's down and down. And then when he's, when he's singing about music, suddenly he's pulled up and there's like a choir around. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it's, it's a great, great song. It starts with a very prolonged electronic lead up, very sort of simple digital, and then it just kind of builds and builds and builds. Uh, it's, it's great, actually. Actually. It's, actually, it's guys. Actually, for a minute, guys, it's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, off of, um, it's very tempting to do the title track for, uh, with Empire. Neon Noon, off of Velociraptor, is uh, a- I'm sorry, off of which? Velociraptor! Uh, okay, yeah, It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a great closing track, but it's also a great song in and of itself. I mean, there was, you know what's a really difficult thing to do? It's a difficult thing to play with restraint. You know what I mean? It's so easy to play bombastically, like, you're just, you're just hitting those drums! I think we, I had that complaint about, uh... Um, what band was it? Um, uh, oh, um, Incubus. Where sometimes 
you know, playing loud doesn't necessarily mean playing better. And sometimes you can the drummer there that, that he'd just go bang, 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 and stuff. It's like, you know, um, it's so easy to, to try to be over the top and try to top each other and stuff like that. But there was something about Neon Noon that they pulled it back, but they still made it, you know, sentimental. There was still something... There was still something that you could connect you to while they were keeping themselves restrained, and and uh, you you almost leave the track feeling unfulfilled, like oh man, but you don't. You leave the track feeling like that was really kind of, kind of cool. That was really nice. I mean, I mean everybody was totally on point with that with that track there. Uh, and then um, even though even though you know I wasn't as impressed with it, I gotta say off of for crying out loud, are you looking for action? I mean, like, it starts off as, as more of a, a more of a rock song, but then it just kind of like for the first half, then for the second half, it just kind of you start to lose the lyrics a little more. Like, um, whoever the hell sings it, because again, I can't tell the difference between me and that. So, you know, is removed, and then you just go into that electronic stuff, and just like, and it's built, it's looping, but it's building, and it's doing more and more interesting things. And pretty soon you're just like, wait, am I listening to the same song? Definitely, it's got the same the same energy. It's not a completely dip, like a strange transition. It's the same song, but man, they took this idea and they ran with it and they made something really interesting out of it. So, I will recommend those three tracks. Look them up. Look up Kasabian. Definitely listen to Clubfoot. All right. <laughs> Defiantly. Defiantly listen um, to Clubfoot. Or actually, you know, just listen to the first album. The first album is. Uh, I feel like it's just a. It's kind of a. It's not too talked about too much anymore, but I do kind of feel like it's just, it's a rock classic. Uh, like it's just one that is a really good uh, representation of where uh, where synth rock and just like where that was kind of in in the mid two thousands. Um, you could have an ag- aggressive rock band that wasn't afraid to pull out the Casio, that wasn't afraid to to show those sort of progressive seventy mm-hmm. seventies electri- electronica, Giorgio Mordor sort of. Uh, influences you know mm-hmm. which was refreshing and you know um it's an unfortunate thing but i do kind of feel like they were just never really able to top it from that point forward um but like like some very worthy attempts but like d- like damn you get you gotta watch out having a debut album that good mm. like, you gotta watch out that's a dangerous thing to do uh, <laughs> anyway yeah but yeah so definitely some worthy attempts uh, and trying to recapture that uh, that kind of lightning in a bottle that was that first album. Mm-hmm. They're not the only band that has. Uh, actually, there's quite a few bands I feel that kind of have the same issue. They can never quite capture the spirit of that first debut album, or I guess the first and debut is a little redundant. The first album. It, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah, you can only have one debut album. Douglas. get your head on straight. Unless you're Bjork, in which case you can have two. Very strange. Oh, it's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, fair enough. All right. But, Bjork, <laughs> but we all know that Bjork is the exception, not the rule. Of course. Yeah. Of every rule. <laughs> yes. All right. Next week, we've got a request. We're crossing the pond. We're getting we're getting the heck out of the UK. We're going over to Gilbert, Arizona for, uh, oh. for a band, Lydia. Dear listener, what do you think of Lydia? What do you think of Kasabian? What do you think of Joy Division? What do you think of any of the bands or artists that we have covered on this show? You know what? You should let us know. There's a couple ways of doing that. The first is our website, musicatozpodcast.com. Check out our show notes, read up about us, look through the entire catalog. It's all there. Everything's there. It'll be great. Or source us on iTunes as well. There you can, you know, you can rate and review this podcast. Go to the podcast section, find Music A to Z, leave a nice little rating, 
and a nice little review. Nice, nice, be nice. It'll be very nice. It'll be very nice. We, we, we're very fragile. Our egos are crumbling. The more ratings <laughs> and reviews that we get, the more we are entered into an algorithm that can recommend us to other people who are searching for podcasts like this. We also have a Facebook group, Music A to Z Podcast. Join the conversation. Check out some of the links I posted. There's that Kickstarter campaign with the Cope's Illegitimate. Yeah. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. if you're listening to this and the time hasn't run out yet... Head on over, or maybe just go over and check it out, anyways. Yeah, if you like, uh, if you like, kind of uh, some very raw independent hip hop, yeah, you could you could do a lot worse. Sure. Or any of the other links that we post, any of the conversations yeah, or videos I, that we post. I posted a video recently, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I I haven't watched it yet. Well, I don't remember what it was, but I I liked it a lot enough that I felt it was worth sharing. Let's see. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Papadozio. Papadozio's content coma. Yeah. Oh, that was a great, great track. Uh, cool video. So, you know, I, if I if I come across some pretty pretty cool musics, I'll put it on the Facebook page, mm-hmm. and I will introduce you maybe hopefully to something you haven't heard before. Papadozio is not too well known. It's kind of a modern um, modern uh, prog, but like but you know pop accessibility. I'd say nice. Not, it's actually a really nice balance, especially that song. Check it out. It gets in the head. Yeah, definitely. So. Also, our Twitter account, at MusicAZPodcast, at MusicAZPodcast. I haven't done too much on there lately, but, you know, feel free to follow me and stuff like that. And, you know, anytime there's an episode or anything posted, it's a great way of keeping tabs on what is going on with the, with the account. Uh, if you check me out on YouTube, um, you should go to moving underscore pictures, pictures with a K. And you can uh, see all the cool things I'm doing for YouTube. I'm, I'm putting stuff out all the time. Movie reviews. There's no joke about that. Mm-hmm. I updated the website recently and all the content was from Doug. I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm almost treating it like a full-time job here, guys. Uh, <laughs> You're putting mm-hmm. a lot of hours in because, uh, folks, editing mm-hmm. always takes you longer than you think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you think it's going to take you a while. Yeah, and I'm I'm uh, I do I have a show Beast Wars Wednesday. If there's any fans of Transformers, specifically Beast Wars, uh, from the '90s, uh, this is gonna this is this is the definitive review show of Beast Wars. I I know of no other shows that review every single episode in chronological order. Um, so yeah, we're on near we're right near the end of season two. So please check it out. Uh, or if you just like general movie reviews or some uh, some video game content and stuff, then uh, hey, that's, that's that's for you too. And you know we're still a fledgling YouTube channel. We need subscribers, so please give us a give us a like and a subscribe. You don't even have to actually like watch his videos. Actually, at this point in time, just the number of subscribers helps. Yeah, but if but you know but, but, but you should watch them anyway. Yeah, I because I do make them for people to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. That's, that's all I got. Cool. Alright, well then I'm going to close this out by saying Music A to Z Podcast is hosted by Steve and Doug Ferguson. It's produced by me, Stephen Ferguson, sponsored by Nathan Ferguson of The Pollinate Show in version 2. I recorded two episodes with him recently. Where are those episodes, Nate? Good gods. They're really good. I promise uh, I promise you'll get a real kick out of them, folks. If they're ever posted. If they're ever posted, right? <laughs> you should check out our other works at nshgfilms.com, thepollinateshow.com, dougjcferguson.com, and stephengcferguson.ca. 